0: Our focus today is the second week of Advent and the theme is love, the love of God. And so as we do this practice of remembering these different aspects of what the Lord Christ and His first Advent came, His first coming, came to represent and communicate to the world, the first week being hope, the candle of hope, and then this week the candle of love. And a very familiar verse that encapsulates this idea of God as love is John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. We'll Light the candle that represents God's love. And now for today's scripture reading. If you could turn with me in your Bibles, if you have a physical Bible, or turn it on to Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. I'll be reading from the ESV version. We're going to be reading verses 7 through 15. And you can just follow along as I read out loud. Starting in verse 7. And then the eyes of the of both of were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves among the presence uh, from the presence of the Lord God, among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave me to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And the Lord said to the serpent,
1: All right, good morning, everyone. Uh, Welcome to our service once again. And uh, I am Pastor Paul. I'm one of the pastors of our church. And um, today, we, as we just um, reflected on, we are in our second week of Advent, which, uh, again, Advent means coming. That's all it really means. And we think about the first coming of Christ and anticipate his second coming as well, by refocusing on the first, which is Christmas. And so that's why uh, we have these four weeks leading up to Christmas. Uh, This is a very traditional in the church calendar that has been used for many, many years. And we like to focus on this because we know that um, Christmas can be a very busy season. It's a season that may not always focus on Christ, even though that is what we should be focusing on. So that's why... Uh, The four themes traditionally of Advent are hope, joy, love, and peace. And again, this is all centered on what Christ has done for us by becoming one of us, by becoming a human being, by being born as a baby. And this week is the week of love. Now, you might wonder what our passage here today has to do with love but we'll get into that, and today's passage is from Genesis 3, as Pastor Jeff read, and it's about the fall of man, uh, the fall of humanity. Adam and Eve, the first humans, fell and sinned against God, which brought sin into our world. And this doesn't sound like it has anything, anything to do with love, um, but we'll kind of explain why this is so important for us to look at as we see God's love here, even in this passage. And again, this is purposeful, and we'll see how this fall of man is central to this understanding of God's love for us. So before we keep going, let me pray for us and ask the Spirit to help us hear His Word today. Heavenly Father, may Your Spirit move in our hearts, work in us, God, that we may see and hear and experience your love today through the preaching of your word, through the singing of the songs, through taking communion, as we will a little bit later on. Lord, may we experience your grace through this time of worship together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in our passage for today, uh, we have the the last part pretty much of the story of the fall of man the fall of adam and eve as they disobeyed god by eating the forbidden fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil that god had commanded them not to eat from but they were tempted as we've seen the story by the serpent who is the devil and they eat of the fruit and as a result they are transformed not in a good way But their eyes are opened. That's what the text says. Their eyes are open, And they immediately feel this shame upon them. And they put clothes on. They try to put clothes on, knowing that what they've done against God is bad. And they, they try to hide from God. And so we immediately see this broken relationship between man and God. Pastor Paul Tripp says that when we sinned against God... This was a personal betrayal of relational love. That's how Pastor Paul Tripp puts it. And we see this in how God expresses himself when we sin against him. And we see this especially in, uh, in Genesis chapter 6 before God chooses to flood the earth. And he saw the wickedness of humanity. And he says this. He says, "...the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth." And that every intention of the thoughts of the heart of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he, he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. It's a very personal language that we see here. God is grieved here in Genesis 6. God is grieving over the wickedness of his creation. God created us for The purpose of glorifying him for his glory. And when we think about God creating us for his glory, we might naturally think, oh, that just sounds like God has a big ego, right? But in reality, God created us for his glory. This is actually a gift to his creation. It is an act of love to create us for his glory. He created us, especially humans, in his image. The point of creating us in his image is to reflect God. We are the image of God, and because we are the image of God, we get to experience this glorious God in our lives, and we get to experience the goodness of God, the love of God. And we were created to worship God so that we can experience the fullness of His glory and all the good things that we've experienced here on earth. We have to give credit to God for those things. When we truly, and when we truly worship God, it is infinitely better than any experience that we could have had here on earth. And that's how it was meant to be, to experience this grace and love and truth in our lives. So from the very beginning, this was always a relationship of love. And love is uh, an affection. It is An emotion. There's emotion when we talk about love. There's a fondness and a warmth that we have towards someone when we love them. We use, you know, the word love a little too much, probably now a little too cavalierly, right? We talk about, you know, we love food and we love certain hobbies or activities, but of course, uh, we know that it means something different when we talk about loving our. Husband, or loving our wife, or loving our mother, loving our father, loving our brother or sister. There's more weight to it when we say we love someone like that. There's more emotion involved in loving a person than compared to you know, things or hobbies or activities whenever we use it in this cavalier way. When we truly love someone, there's a deep affection we have. Right? That's why when a loved one hurts us, And does something against us it hurts that much more i have a a pastor friend who once shared that a friend of his approached him to sell him insurance and little did he know that his friend his good friend was selling him a scam insurance and he was you know disappointed in losing money but more than that he was so devastated and heartbroken had a good friend basically abused him took advantage of him and essentially stole from him it hurts that much more when a friend does it when a family member does something like that to us and i think most of us can relate it's one it's one thing when a stranger does something against us right a stranger might steal from us or rob us you know we don't have that type of emotion but when a loved one a good friend does that it hurts so much more you know growing up I'd have teachers who would you know say like I'm disappointed in you and stuff like that Um, I don't know if they say that nowadays to students but growing up that was very common but you know it hurts when a teacher would say something like that but you know I might feel sad for a moment but when someone like your parents say I'm disappointed in you like that's heartbreaking that is devastating And, you know, when my parents would say something like that to me, it would pierce me. It would leave me so, so sad. And that's because of this relationship we have with our loved ones. We have this love relationship because of the fondness, the affection, the emotion that we have for someone. It pierces our hearts that much more when that love is disrupted, it is changed, it is disturbed in some way. So we had this relationship with God from the very beginning. God created us to love he created us out of love love is at the center of what it means to live our lives why else would the greatest commandment be that jesus gave be about loving god and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves and the whole law can be summed up into those two things to love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength to love your neighbor as you love yourself The whole moral law is summed up in these two things. The Ten Commandments are essentially summed up into those two things. So love is at the center of life. And loving and worshiping God was what we were ultimately meant to do. That was our original calling, to love and worship God. But because of the fall, that relationship with God was broken. So that's my first point for today. Because of sin, our love with God is broken. The moment sin came into the world and immediately brought us to shame, like we saw in our passage, Adam was immediately brought to fear and trembling. The peace, and mind, uh, of, peace of mind and heart that we once had had immediately been disturbed. Right? The way Adam and Eve viewed God had changed. And also in return, God had now viewed them differently as well. And it's not like God loves them any less. That's not what I'm saying. He doesn't love us any less because of sin. But now God had to pour out his judgment against his creation because they broke the commandment, the law of God. And God cannot associate with sin. He hates sin. And so God has no choice but to judge them for their actions and punish them with death the relationship of love with god has now been broken because we turned against god we rebelled against him and we not only see it in adam and eve but we see it throughout the scriptures in the old testament see it in the story of noah and the flood we see it in the tower of babel we see it with abraham and isaac and jacob and joseph and moses and and joshua and the judges and then david and solomon and so on and so on And so on. This relationship with God is broken. We do not love God like we ought to love God. And the Apostle Paul paints a very bleak picture in Romans 1 paints a picture of what it looks like for us to not love God anymore, for humanity to turn against Him. Paul says that God made himself plain to us. He revealed himself to us through creation. And so, you know, we're without excuse. We can't say we didn't know God. We did know God, but we chose to reject him. And we failed to glorify him because our hearts were darkened. And we thought we knew better. We, we elevated our own desires and our own thinking above God's. And so that's why Paul says we exchanged uh, God with images of birds and animals and reptiles. And in our day and age, you know, how have we replaced God with images or individuals or certain figures? Maybe we put our faith in things that cannot save us, like maybe we put our faith in our country. Maybe we put our faith in politics. Perhaps these are the false images that we have replaced God with here and now. And Paul also says that we exchanged God for created things, like how we exchange God ourselves for money for fame, for power, for material things. Right? We, and we also gave ourselves over to shameful lusts. That's what he said. And, and we, in our day and age, we can relate to that as well, how so many people are hooked on pornography and, and we, have, we venerate sex outside of marriage and, and even bestiality and incest and so on and so forth. We see this in our world. We see our love with God is broken. We see the sinful world around us. And we see it in ourselves, if we're honest with ourselves. We see how we have rebelled against him. And we continue to rebel against him. And it is also a relationship that has been broken with one another as well. Our love relationships with one another is broken. Because of sin, our love with one another is broken. And we see, here, we see this here in Genesis 3 as well. The love relationship between Adam and Eve is broken as a result of the fall. When God confronts Adam, what does Adam do? He throws his wife under the bus. That's what he does. He says, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. It right? was very selfish of Adam, of what Adam did. He, he blamed Eve for his own faults. Adam and Eve, they were essentially the first married couple. They had a love relationship. They had this intimacy, as, as God meant, them, meant for them to have. And it was perfect in the beginning. But because of sin, we see this perfect love falling apart right before our eyes. And how, how often do we see this in our own relationships? In marriages, in many marriages that end in divorce usually both parties believe that the main reason why the relationship ended is because the other person was the main reason, right? It's the other person's fault, right? Even the ones who, you know, even, let's say, they commit adultery, right? It seems obvious they might be the one at fault. But no, oftentimes they think they were forced into that position. They had no choice but to commit adultery because they were so desperate for intimacy that their spouse just did not provide, they feel justified in their actions because their marriage was falling apart. It was already failing. Right. Or let's say the adulterer is really repentant and sorry for the sin. And oftentimes they feel that their spouse gives up too quickly. Even though he repents, she cannot forgive him. And so the adulterer blames the spouse because I, I, I asked for forgiveness. I said, I'm sorry. Why are you leaving me? should have tried harder to make this work even after an affair. And to view it from the other side, the perspective of the one who is the victim of infidelity, you know, on the other hand, there are you know, we, we know that they are the ones who obviously blame their spouse for what they did and they can't ever forgive them for that sin. But on the other hand, we know that there are probably circumstances that, and troubles that, probably existed from the beginning that led to this point where someone cheated or committed adultery, whatever the case is. And of course, adultery is always wrong and never justified, but it's always a symptom of a marriage that is broken or unhealthy, or usually a symptom. And the reality is, it's it's never usually one person's fault. Right? Of course, there are situations where, you know, it might be a person who is abusive and You know, they were just fooled by their charm and they were being manipulative from the very beginning. And and those type of situations are really hard. You can't really blame someone who's being abused for being in a relationship like that a lot of times. Of course, there are exceptions to that. But usually it's never just one spouse's fault when relationships like this end. And so, in in many of these cases, we see how sin has infected our love relationships. We see marriages fall apart because we blame the other as a result for all the problems, and they don't really try to work things out as a result. Um, And and to give another example, we see this in our relationships with our siblings as well. I feel like we, we see this all the time where we blame our siblings or make excuses by blaming our siblings. You know, we, we love our siblings, you know, and I have two kids, and my older son definitely loves his younger brother a lot. But, often, but we see how oftentimes this love is broken as well. You know, how many times have we thrown our siblings under the bus for our actions? Right, when you do something wrong and are about to get in trouble by your parents, you know, the old, oh, he made me do it, or he told me I could do it, or she said it's okay, now, it comes so naturally to us to do that. This blame shifting, this excuse making. We, we do this all the time. This selfishness we have has broken our relationships with one another. And all of this, this blame shifting, excuse making, selfishness is because instead of having love for God, we love ourselves. And so what. Paul Tripp says here, and let me read what he says. He says, but something horrible happened. After the fall, a seductive, powerful, and deceptive love replaced the love we were meant to have exclusively for God, the love of self. We need to be saved from this love of self. This sin caused this broken love in our lives, and so we cannot know what true love is as a result. We live in a world where love is not even what it truly should be. Every version of it is distorted. But by God's grace, we have been saved. We have been rescued. And Jesus has saved us. And Jesus has rescued us. We see a glimpse of this. foreshadowing in our passage for today in Genesis 3. In verse 15, God is speaking to the serpent. He's cursing the serpent, and he says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And we see this he mentioned who will bruise the head of the serpent. And this points to the eventual defeat of Satan, by the offspring of the woman who was Eve. And if we track the lineage of Adam and Eve through Seth, one of Adam and Eve's sons after Cain and Abel, we see it traced all the way to Jesus Christ. This promise of a Savior is given immediately after the fall. And it comes to fulfillment in the person of Jesus Christ. And Christmas this season, this Advent season, is all about the celebration of a baby who was born as Emmanuel, meaning God with us. God becoming man so that this man would at- ultimately die for us on the cross and rise from the grave and, and be the perfect sacrifice to satisfy the judgment of God. He came to save us from the fall, from our sins, so that we would be restored to our original love, to our first love. So Jesus restores us to our first love. And we receive this transformation by faith, by having faith in what Jesus has done for us, believing in his sacrifice on the cross, believing that he has truly saved us, that we needed to be saved from our sins. And when we believe, the Holy Spirit works in our hearts. And it is this heart that changes over time. And we can now truly love God. Again, God always loved us. And we can see his love for us even after the fall by promising this Savior to us. But we were separated from him. But God always had a plan to redeem us loved us so much. And we see the Bible describe his love as this agape love, this unconditional love. It is an unmerited love. We don't deserve this love. We have not earned it in any way. He loves us just because he does. It's not because we love him back or we did anything to receive it. And, because, and he just loves us anyway. And because of this love, he didn't allow us to stay separated from him. He had this rescue plan in Jesus Christ. If he didn't love us, he would have just gotten rid of us. And so instead, he chose to save us through a Savior in Jesus Christ. And God, as Jeff mentioned, God loved the world that he sent his one and only Son. And whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. We could not love God. But because of his unconditional agape love, he found a way for us to be able to love him. Because in Jesus, we are forgiven of our sins and they are washed away. We are pure as snow. So that means for us now, when we believe in Jesus, we are now supposed to love. We are commanded to love. In Matthew 22, 37, he says, this is the great commandment that I mentioned. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This was the original commandment that we were created to do. In Jesus, now we, we have love and we know love and we can now love God and love one another. So That means for us, when we put our faith in Christ for what he has done, it means we can truly love God and worship him. It means our marriages are not hopeless. Our broken families and relationships are not hopeless because we have love. It's all because a baby boy was born on Christmas Day. What a gift we have received in Jesus. Our first love was broken and ruined, but it has now been restored and redeemed because of Jesus. So if you're not a follower of Jesus and if you don't consider yourself a Christian, we're really thankful you're here, we're glad you're here, and we hope that you can see and you can hear and believe this message of love that is found in Jesus. I hope it's clear that we live in a messed up world where it's hard for us to see true love, even the ones who are supposed to love us, A lot of times we cannot find love in those places. But Jesus offers a pure love, a love that cannot be taken away, a love that's totally free. And when we we believe in what Jesus has done for us on the cross by dying and rising up from the grave, it truly does change us. It changes us to see that there is something better than what the world can offer us. The world offers us these false loves, these material things or worldly pleasures and power, and and Jesus offers us something that is truly lasting, a forever love, something that is truly fulfilling in a world that oftentimes feels so empty. There was once a a woman who grew up looking for a, a man to fulfill her. Looking for a relationship to make her feel special and loved. And I think, you know, this is common thinking in our day and age, unfortunately, where we think a man or a woman will fulfill us and give us whatever we need. And so she had boyfriends and she had dated a lot, but it all felt empty. Then came her eventual husband, who actually rescued her from a toxic relationship she had earlier. And she truly felt cared for by this husband. And he cared about her deeply, he cared about her happiness, and, and did whatever he could to make her happy in her life. But even still, she still felt empty. She still felt alone and abandoned and even misunderstood, especially, especially in times when, where they argued or fought, which is common. Of course, we all argue and fight in our marriages. But this marriage did not feel like it fulfilled her. She felt still pretty empty, a void of emptiness in her that she just didn't quite understand. Marriage did not complete her as the world says it does. And she had a good husband. She had a great husband, by all accounts. But it still is not enough. What she was looking for was an unconditional love. And and she was finding, and she was trying to find it in all the wrong places. We can only find unconditional love in God and in Jesus Christ. That is where we find unconditional love. And this is where she found her unconditional love. And this is the love that Jesus offers all of us. And all we have to do is believe, receive it by faith, Trust in Jesus for what he has done. For those of us who profess faith in Christ, who, who, those of us who say we're followers of him, that believe in him, my encouragement to you, brothers and sisters, is to press on. The saving work of Christ does truly change you. It changes you when you truly believe in him, it changes your heart, it changes your, your emotions and affections and your loves. But it is a process. It does take time. It's not immediate. We will still falter and stumble because sin still remains in us. It is still a a battle that we must fight each and every day. And none of us can claim that we are sinless. All of us are sinners. We still have sin and we still mess up. And we need to be aware of this, that we have these competing loves still. Even as followers of Christ, we have competing loves. But we know that there is victory. And we anticipate that final victory in the second coming of Jesus, when Jesus will come again. We anticipate it. That's what we're celebrating here at Advent. We anticipate, we look forward to Christ coming back, where all of this will be restored, where all of our loves will go back to our original love. And God has claimed that that will happen one day. He has claimed victory. And so let us hold on to that victory, brothers and sisters, as we wait for it to be consummated on that last day. So may his love be with all of you today. May we be reminded of his love. May we read his word to see how much he loves us. Let's read the Bible and, and let's do it in community. Let's be in a community that reminds each other of the love of God through His Word. And may we exemplify this love with one another. Right? May we be role models of this love for one another. And let's pray for one another that we would know this love. Well, at the end of the day, we can't force ourselves to love God, we can't force ourselves to do. We can't will it on our own. The Spirit has to work in us. And we have to be open to receive the love that He has for us. So, let's pray and pray that God will give us the desire and heart to know and love God because that's what we were meant to do. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask you humbly that you would give us a heart that wants to know you, to love you. Lord, that is what you created us to do in the beginning. But because of sin, our love is all messed up. It's all been broken because of sin. But God, you have given us the answer in Jesus. Jesus. And Lord, for those of us who believe in what Jesus has done, Lord, we can be confident in knowing that, yes, we cannot love you perfectly, but, Lord, you continue to work in us and change us and transform us. And even when we fail, Lord, you cover over those things. You forgive us. You make us righteous in your sight through Christ who has pardoned us of our sins. So God, we are so thankful that we have received this unconditional, undeserved love. Lord God, may we all truly understand this in our hearts. May we feel it. Lord, we know that love is not just something we know in our minds, but it is an affection, it is an emotion. Lord, may we all feel this love in our hearts. Help us so that we can be filled with love for you and with one another. Lord, may that propel us to proclaim this love to others around us because, Lord, we are so deeply saturated with the love of Christ. So, God, open up our hearts and minds to see and hear and to experience your love here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.